0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome to Scary Mysteries, brought to you by New Dawn Films. Every Monday, we'll tell you about topics that range from serial killers and UFOs to unexplained mysteries, ghosts, and everything in between. If it's scary and it's mysterious, then we've got you covered. And check us out on YouTube as well if you want to watch each episode. Thanks for tuning in. Five terribly disturbing Christmas killings. Tis the season to be jolly. Unfortunately, Christmas isn't always about spreading holiday cheer. The next five real-life stories detail the grim and horrific side of an otherwise joyous holiday. From strangers killing at random, to families murdering loved ones, these are five terribly disturbing Christmas killings. Number 5. Patty White It was Michelle O'Dowd's favorite time of the year, she had just finished decorating her brother's business space where she was working. All of the presents for her nephews and family were wrapped and under the tree in her apartment. When she didn't show up for work one day, her twin brother was concerned and went over to visit. To his shock, he found 67-year-old Michelle dead in her bed with a bloody towel on her bruised-up face and Christmas presents covering her body. Police investigated and the main suspect was a family friend and Michelle's former roommate, Patty White. Patty was an ex-girlfriend of Michelle's nephew, and even though the two had broken up, Michelle was kind enough to open her home to her during a time when she had nowhere else to go. The rest of the family members treated Patty well and employed her in various jobs so she could make ends meet. Even though Patty had been moved out for some time, she paid Michelle a visit the night of her murder and while it's unclear exactly what transpired, at some point, things turned ugly. Michelle was strangled to death and her face disfigured from the vicious beatings. Patty made it look like a burglar had broke in and ransacked the apartment, and several items were missing, including Michelle's debit card. Police caught a break when they captured Patty on surveillance, making a withdrawal from two separate ATMs using Michelle's card. She was brought in and questioned, where she eventually broke down and admitted to the murder and robbery. She was then sentenced to over 40 years in prison for the murder of her friend. Michelle's twin brother still can't believe that his sister was killed for, as he put it, a stupid debit card. Number four, Charles Lawson. December 25th, 1929, 17-year-old Marie Lawson woke up early to bake her famous Christmas cake. After mixing the ingredients, she set it aside to be iced so it would be ready for her family to enjoy later that night. While she was cooking, Charlie Lawson and his eldest son Arthur went out hunting. The two had run out of bullets and Charlie sent his son into town about 15 minutes away to get some more. Soon after he left... Charlie went into the nearby woods and laid wait for his two daughters, Carrie, who was 12, and Mabel, who was 7. He had stashed some ammo to keep for himself, and while the girls were preparing to go to their aunt's house, Charlie ambushed and shot them. He then proceeded to bludgeon the girls with his rifle to make sure they were dead and dragged their bodies inside the tobacco barn. Next, he went into the house where he found Fanny, his wife, on the porch. She was shot at point-blank range in the chest. Marie, who had heard the gunshots, screamed, sending the two younger boys running for cover. Marie was shot next, her body found by the fireplace. The young boys James, who was four and Raymond, who was two, were found beaten to death, and four-month-old Mary Lou had her skull crushed in. Charlie then gathered the bodies. He arranged each member with their arms crossed and placed a rock underneath their heads and then he made his way back into the woods. The first two people who found the grim sight were Charlie's brother and his wife. They had been hunting and thought to drop by the home to wish the family a Merry Christmas, but instead they found the grisly scene. Word of the crime soon spread in the small town, and Arthur was picked up from the store by police and taken home. More than four hours after the crime, Arthur... The police and the rest of the people investigating heard a gunshot ring out from the forest. They traced the source and that's where they found Charlie had committed suicide. Along his body were letters to his parents and distinct footprints around a tree where it seems he walked in circles as he contemplated what to do. To this day, no one knows why Charlie Lawson killed his entire family. Weeks before the crime, he took his family to town, bought them new clothes, and insisted they have a family portrait taken. This was unusual for a middle-class family of that time to do, hence many speculate the crimes were premeditated. Even though there is no concrete answer, several theories have cropped up over the years. The first was that Charlie suffered a head injury months before the event, and this could have triggered a change in his personality. Second, there was the rumor of incest and that Marie was pregnant with her own father's child. Several family members, along with Marie's close friend, confirmed there was an incestuous relationship between the two and that Fanny, Charles' wife, was troubled by it. Another family friend seems to confirm this as well by stating he knew there were some serious problems within the family but declined to elaborate. In the end, the bodies of the victims, along with Charlie, were buried together in the W.D. Browder graveyard. As for Marie's cake... It was carefully preserved and display as a tourist attraction in carnivals and shows for a while. Ultimately, a family member took it home and buried it. Number 3. Bruce Jeffrey Pardo It was December 24, 2008, approximately 11 p.m. at the Ortega residence. Everybody was cheerful while celebrating the holidays, and in the middle of the festivities, An eight-year-old girl ran towards the door to answer the doorbell. She opened it and found Santa holding a huge present. The man in the Santa outfit was Bruce Jeffrey Pardo. Without warning, he pulled out a gun and shot the little girl in the face. He proceeded to enter and open fire inside the home. Guests ran for their lives while Pardo shot anyone within range. Of the 25 or so guests, nine were officially killed and three were wounded. When he was satisfied, he opened the big box and pulled out a homemade flamethrower. He doused the home with racing fuel and set everything ablaze. He then left the home, leaving the remaining victims to burn to death. Pardo had no previous criminal record and was not known to be violent. However, months before Christmas, he was let go from his job and his divorce finalized from his wife, Sylvia. The home he attacked was that of his ex-wife's. He knew there was going to be a party and he took care to plan his massacre around it. After his rampage, he drove back to his brother's house 30 miles away and killed himself. Police later on discovered this likely wasn't his original plan. Apparently Pardo had a bigger hit list in mind. It included killing his own mother, who he thought was going to be at the party but was sick and didn't go. He also planned to kill his ex-wife's attorney. When Pardo set the Ortega house on fire, he also accidentally burned himself in the process. He suffered third-degree burns on his body and a portion of the Santa he wore melted into his skin. So instead of heading to the attorney's house, Pardo drove to his brother's and shot himself in the head. The police found his body with $17,000 in cash strapped around it, which he was going to use to fly to Mexico, until he had a change of heart. He resented his ex-wife and her family as he was ordered to pay $10,000 to her for a settlement along with nearly $2,000 a month for spousal support. So he also got to keep the wedding ring and the family dog. He was also upset that his own mother was sympathetic towards his ex-wife which was the reason why she was also targeted. Ultimately, the broken family drove Pardo into such a rage that he committed one of the most horrific Christmas massacres ever. Number 2. Isaizola Bob Yozdanpana. Known as a conservative and strict man, the portrait of Isaizola Bob Yazdanpana is often conflicting. On the one hand, he is described as a strict father who forbid his daughter to date and monitored her cell phone use. On the other, his friends see him as a sweet man who adored his family. Whichever side of Bob was the truth, there's no denying that he was a disturbed individual. On Christmas morning, Bob's wife, their two children, along with his brother-in-law, his wife, and their child were inside their apartment. Bob showed up, likely unannounced, wearing a Santa suit. They, of course, welcomed him in and the group huddled around the tree, opening their gifts, when all of a sudden Bob opened fire. Within minutes, all six people in the room were dead. His son, daughter, niece, and sister-in-law received multiple gunshot wounds to the head. His wife was shot once, execution style, while his brother-in-law was riddled with bullets all over his body. After killing everyone, Bob called 911. On the phone, he can be heard saying, help, help. Because of his heavy breathing, it was tough for the dispatcher to hear him, and when she inquired if he was sick, the voice replied, I'm shooting people. The dispatcher pointed a unit to the residence, and within minutes they arrived. The officers found the bodies along with that of Bob who had killed himself shortly after placing the call. Even now, no one knows for sure why he killed his family, but speculations are that it was out of resentment for his wife's success when his own life was falling apart. Number 1. Ronald Gene Simmons By nature, Ronald Gene Simmons was a private man who previously served in both the United States Navy and the Air Force. At home, he was a strict father who bossed his wife and children around. He would give them various tasks and chores around the house, from building a fortress wall of cinder blocks to various repairs. There was always something to do. Simmons and his wife, Rebecca, had seven children. The first two were Ronald Gene Jr. and Sheila. Soon, five more children were added, Billy, Loretta, Eddie, Marianne, and Rebecca. However, Simmons also had a much darker side than that of a family man. By the time she was 17, Simmons started sexually abusing Sheila, and soon after, she became pregnant. Simmons told his family about the situation and insisted they keep the child as their own. Although his wife felt humiliated, she decided to stay with him. Allegations of incest soon reached the Department of Child Services and an investigation was underway. Simmons and his family fled to Arkansas to keep from getting arrested. They lived in two connected mobile homes with outhouses on a desolate 13-acre stretch of land. Soon the three eldest left home and started their own families. Desperate and resentful he had lost control of Sheila, Simmons tightened his grip on his wife and the remaining children. Everything they did was monitored, and it was here that Simmons began plotting their murders. Starting on December 22nd, 1987, Simmons first killed his wife and then their son Gene with a twenty-two caliber pistol. He then went on to kill his three-year-old granddaughter by strangling her. He threw their bodies in a pit that he had made the children dig prior. Next, he waited for his other children to arrive. One by one, he lured them by promising them a present before strangling and drowning them in a rain barrel. It was Loretta, Eddie, Marianne, and Rebecca that were killed in this manner. For the next few days, Simmons would stay at home drinking beer and watching TV. On December 26th, his son Billy and his wife arrived, and they were promptly shot dead. Their 21-month-old son, Trey, was drowned. Next came Sheila and her husband, Dennis, who were also shot. The seven year old Sheila Gale, which was Simmons' own daughter through incest, and his grandson Michael were also killed. All of the bodies were lined up and buried, then covered with coats except for Sheila. She was covered with a precious tablecloth. The babies were wrapped and left on the trunk of nearby cars. On December 28th, Simmons drove and headed to a law office, killing a receptionist named Kathy. He was infatuated with her, but she always turned down his advancements. He went on to visit and shoot people at a convenience store, oil company office, and freight company, fatally shooting two people and wounding several others. He also took on a hostage, but finally surrendered when cops arrived. Simmons was charged with 16 counts of murder and sentenced to death. He refused any form of appeal. Later on, his execution warrant was signed by then-Governor Bill Clinton, and Simmons was executed via lethal injection in June of 1990. So those were five terribly disturbing Christmas killings. Songs of cheer and hope usually sound off during the holidays, but for these many victims, their Christmas celebrations were cut short. Instead of a merry holiday cheer... Theirs turned out filled with hatred, violence, and blood. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe and check out Scary Mysteries on YouTube as well for additional videos. I'll see you next week.